nose, he didn't show when She let me buy her a drink, she even stole a sip of mine She took me front of the stairs, danced on my boots to close the time I got her number and name, I ain't seen her And her man's got any plans on breaking up But I tell you what, she's a little more single than she was She's a little more single than she was All right, guys, welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gross, and golly, boys, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Uh, it's been a nice little hiatus from podcast land. And if you guys are out there and you've done your own podcast or maybe thought about kicking off your own show, you get you get grinding after a while, and then hunting season comes around, and you're like, I don't really want to do a podcast tonight because i got to get up and go hunt in the morning or I have a big trip planned out of state. You know, life comes at you fast, and over the last three or four weeks, I, I'm going to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain of, you know, what's happened in my life personally, uh, our latest trip to North Dakota, and just a lot of stuff, waterfowl and deer hunting, you know, recently, just in the uh, the Mojo Fam here. So guys, again, welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. So glad to have you, and you guys who have listened to us uh, in previous episodes, you guys know well enough that... This is just a pure podcast, no commercials, no BS, just a pure hunting podcast for you guys, and we don't have any sponsors, it's just us, you and me in the shop, and that's the way we like it. Speaking of being in the shop, it is finally officially shop season, so we had like a super hot little heat wave that came through North Georgia. Uh, I live uh, here, you know, just below Chattanooga, Tennessee, and man, I'm telling you right here, it's, you know, it was getting up to the mid-70s, the 80s. Uh, it's really tough to get motivated to get up and go deer hunting when it's 75 degrees outside. It just really is tough to get up and get after. But there's been a lot of bucks moving, a lot of stuff chasing in our area. And uh, my dad was lucky enough to to take a, a nice little eight-pointer the other day. And, uh, yeah, he just saw, I think, he texted me yesterday. This is the 26th of November right now. And yesterday he saw, I think, up to 25 deer, two or three shooters. It's an archery-only so you guys know how it goes. You see more deer than you kill most of the time. But in our neck of the woods, to see a 25 deer sit is pretty damn incredible. I mean, normally, you know, you see three, four deer in our area. It's pretty good, uh, let alone, you know, more than one shooter buck, more than one buck at a time. So, yeah, 25 buck – or, I'm sorry, 25 deer, three or four bucks, two of them were shooters, a lot of chasing action. Dad, you know, had one of those just beautiful, gorgeous mornings in the woods – and uh, he, he was, you know, calling and rubbing it in, of course, like any dad would. But since we kind of kicked off the podcast this last summer, we've had a lot of stuff go on, especially going into the late, uh, mid to late October and the first week of November. We kicked it off with a trip with a bunch of Ringgold, Georgia boys out in North Dakota. And that was my first time actually hitting the road and driving to North Dakota. And you guys are going, holy shit, man. Why are you driving? And a lot of people ask me that that don't understand waterfowl. But you guys listening understand that we're going with three to four dogs. We've got layout blinds, uh, a full wheeler, all of our guns, ammunition, calls, totes full of clothes, boots, waders, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you have to have a way to get out there. So an enclosed trailer, dual axle, uh, headed out of Ringgold with uh, two rigs. Uh, one of the rigs left a little bit earlier and uh, just a freaking great time. I mean, when you're in the truck with four guys that are highly motivated to waterfowl hunt and just, you know, hit it off immediately from
from the get-go. Uh, you know, shout out to my good buddy Cranston Gas. If you guys haven't already checked out the YouTube channel, I have both of the hunts that came out of this week-long adventure. You guys go check it out. We ended up getting caught in a blizzard, which I will get to that in a little bit. But yeah, so we hit the road. Um, you know, it kind of kicked off with Cranston introduced me to some of those nasty gas station eats that you guys probably have. Maybe you guys like this crap that I'm about to tell you about. So we we pull out of Ringgold, get to the first fuel stop. Cranston gets out, says, you know, Mojo, you ever had one of these, you know, Big Mama red sauce, pickled sauces? I was like, dude, hell no. I'm I am no. Never have that. Never have had the the slightest bit of inkling to go buy one with actual money. No. Never eating that. There's no way in hell. Well, his ass goes in there and buys one. Let me let me describe this to you. It's a Big Mama pickled sausage from hell and it's basically a giant container that looks like it's like an oversized slim jim the son of a bitch is red inside and out so it's the shape of a hot dog that is fire ass fire truck red inside and out smells like bigfoot's wiener just flopped out on the console and dude i'm telling you it is it is a to, to watch him put that in his mouth and actually enjoy the process was Truly incredible. I had to roll the window down. That thing smelled so bad. I'm like, dude, there's no way you eat that. And bite after bite, just sitting there, just grinning like a freaking possum dude on a stump eating peach seeds, just laughing his happy ass off. I'm over there actually puking, like trying not to puke out of his truck. It was freaking disgusting. And throughout the trip, he he enjoyed eating those right in front of me. So if you guys enjoy the Big Mama brand of of pickled sausage from gas stations across america shoot me a message let me know you sick bastards those are so those are so disgusting dude i'm telling you i cannot believe cranston you i can't believe you eat that dude I, i'll remember that for the rest of my life so nasty anyway we get out there my first experience in in nodak well on the way there was kind of cool too i mean if you guys have ever left north georgia or the south to go to north dakota it is a freaking journey so it was a little over 25, 24 hours of driving. Now, that's just straight line, you know, in, in a truck with guys and dogs, letting you know, airing out the dogs, stopping to get diesel. It's more of like 25, 26 hours, depending on traffic, because you're going from where we live, you go to Chat, Nashville, then you cut up into uh, Iowa, Minneapolis, uh, the Twin Cities right there. Uh, really, really cool experience, by the way, going through Kansas uh, on the way home. But, yeah, so getting up there, it, it was a freaking drive. But, again, we knocked it out. Uh, Chris is a freaking animal. He actually drove the entire way there and back. Uh, dude is a freaking beast of a driver. He's done that before in the past when we went to Oklahoma. But the dude just freaking knocked it out of the park. I mean, you can literally just put it on autopilot with Cranston in the truck. So that was super nice to have him slugging big mamas and putting the miles in the wind in that Chevrolet. So uh, we get up there, and it's daylight by this time, and we stop at a Shields, which is really cool because I've never been actually inside of a Shields, but I you know, shopped on there online several times, uh, ordered some some duck call stuff you know, from there, you know, call accessories, waterfowl stuff. They're a great place. Their website's incredible. But we actually got to go into a storefront right there. Uh, I'm trying to think of where that was at. It wasn't – might have been Grand Forks is the town. That I, I'm, I'm – losing it here i'm pretty sure grand forks north dakota is where we stopped at and uh yeah what a, a cool selection of all kind of stuff i actually picked up a, a new molt gear uh duck call old man river 
the duck costs a single read. I think it's based off of uh, maybe a J frame or something. Anyway, I love Molt Gear. I love their goose call, the rush. Now, I'm not sponsored. This podcast is not sponsored. I'm not sponsored by Molt Gear. I'm just telling you, I like running their, their goose call. Just freaking has got so much built-in goose, and if you can blow a goose call halfway decent, it makes you sound that much better. So, yeah, Molt Gear is badass, and actually I really like their duck call. After having it out there for a whole week, and you know how when you're blowing your duck call and it's like 10 degrees outside, wind blowing you all over the place, you know, you get some hot air in that call, and after a while, after a few flights come through, you're kind of the lull happens mid-morning or mid-afternoon whenever you're hunting, and those calls freeze up. Never really had this one freeze up. Uh, so, I mean, my, my report for my short little week-long stint, fresh out the box to the lanyard out in North Dakota calling with that thing. I really do like it. So we leave Shields, get in a uh, convoy, headed out to uh, the guy we stayed at. His name was Dale, just a super, super accommodating guy. I'm, I, forgive me, I don't remember his last name, but he runs this little outfit. I guess you can find him online where you can stay in this little metal shop. It's kind of like a like a military style, you know, open floor bunks type situation, like bunks without the top. So we're just beds lined up against the wall. Uh, had a hot tub that was about the size of my garage uh, inside of his shop. So it was pretty freaking nuts. Uh, unfortunately, the hot tub was not working at the time. So, uh, but if that thing would have been working, oh my Lord, I don't know if we'd ever got up and hunted. But anyway, so the, the shop environment was great. You know, nice facility, had a bathroom shower. You know, typical duck camp had a full kitchen in there, so we just really lived it up the entire week. But the biggest thing about North Dakota and the biggest draw that people go there is the ability to have Onyx and check electronically e-postings, uh, physical postings. Go check on these, uh, these you know, fields of birds that are out there, depending on the time of the year that you're there, and able to get on some really cool numbers of birds that we don't have the ability to back home. So, you can go out, depending on the part of North Dakota you're in, and I guess the, the area, depending on if it's leased or private land, whatever you're looking at, if it's a piece of private and it just goes on forever, you know, a bunch of ag land, you can look on your Onyx and see if it's actually e-posted or posted in physical, uh, like right, right there at the corners where you're looking at it. If it's not, you can actually go and hunt it. If it is posted, most of the time you can call and get permission, depending on the guy and I guess if he's got other hunters or or whatever. The time of year we were there was the last weekend of October going into the first week of November. So the weather was getting from uh, mild to we really rode a cold front all the way into uh, where we were at in North Dakota. So we had a couple of days where uh, there was already snow on the ground when we got there. So, I mean, scouting was uh, a little easier because if you're off the road, and I mean, obviously you're looking for birds flying, but to, uh, to glass and see birds in the field, uh, when it's snow on the ground, it's super, super nice. you got a bunch of big Canadas, uh, mallards. You know, we saw some other ducks, but overall we didn't really shoot uh, mixed bags. I'm trying to think. We didn't even shoot a single pintail or any kind of diver duck. We shot mostly almost 100% greenheads other than a few snow geese and Canadas. But, uh, yeah, just a really, really fun experience getting to go out there, seeing feeds of birds, getting eyes on, getting permission. There was there was a couple of times we actually had to get permission from a a landowner, which that that was fine too. Uh, and then other times we just went hunting because it wasn't posted, so you could just go out there. The biggest hurdle for us was hunting so many guys. I think we ended up having like 11 or 12 guys out there. And the biggest hurdle for us uh, was, <laughs> was getting all of our crap from the trailer, which was, you know, a big landscape trailer that we were borrowing, all the way out to the field where we were hunting and the dogs and all this shit. So, Usually what would happen is you couldn't drive out there. We had a big, uh, you know, big Chevy uh, 2500 out there 
dual axle trailer. The ground out there, obviously, if you've hunted in North Dakota, it's, it's nice and black, super rich. Obviously, that's why there's all that agriculture out there. And the ground was frozen, but the problem was there was so much snow on the ground, you could get your truck stuck pretty, pretty damn easy out there. So instead of doing that and putting ourselves in that situation, most of these hunting spots and the way we're accessing them were roughly, you know, two, 300 yards, 500 yards off the road. So there's no way we were going to drive a rig out there, let alone two rigs, with all the people we had to get out there and dogs and all that. So luckily, Cranston trailed out there a uh, four-wheeler, which ended up being our saving grace the whole week. And then also one of those little jet sleds. You guys have seen those countless timing. As, as long as there's been waterfowl, there's been jet sleds. So tying that jet sled, you know, rigging that up to the back of that ball hitch on that four-wheeler and shuttling guys out there, shuttling layout blinds. Oh, and we were most exclusively hunting out of layout blinds. That was that was another major hurdle. So when we got there and figured out, holy shit, there's all this snow and whiteout out here. You know, and all of our blinds are, you know, either factory camo, solid camo, I mean, solid colors, or uh, mine was kind of spray painted brown and green over the years. So I just, you know, my piece of shit, uh, you know, one Northern Flight from Cabela's, the $110 special that I've hunted with for eight, nine years now. So it definitely is going to stick out like a sore thumb. So we went to, I think the only thing around was we looked at Shields, and of course, Shields had the actual white layout colors, but. You know, screw paying 60, 70 bucks for something I'm only going to use for one week, probably ever. I mean, I don't really get the chance to hunt in the snow a whole lot, especially for, for ducks and geese. So I was like, you know, we could probably go to either Menards down the road or Target or somewhere and get some just fitted queen size sheets, you know, fit those over the layouts, cut us some holes for the doors and zip tie the tops down. And that's exactly what we did. So we ended up not finding any sheets at Shields. Uh, hit down the road and got some uh, white zip ties and some white fitted sheets from uh, Target. And that was a pretty interesting deal because the night before our first hunt, everybody's in this shop with their layouts because it's freaking 10 degrees outside or colder. And we're uh, zip tying and fitting these sheets to the layout. So you can imagine the crazy stories, good times, beers that were flowing in that shop and getting those layouts dialed because, dude, we didn't drive this far to freaking you know, sit out there and, and flare a bird. So uh, the first day, it was so freaking cold where we hunted the very first morning, the first setup, that we're having to use a rubber mallet to drive these stakes in for the big owls and the dive bombs. Of course, our full bodies are laying on top of this crap. And it was so cold. We got there so early because there was another hunting party that was out there uh, trying to set up that we ended up going back to the truck. It was so dark, so cold, and we had enough time, about an hour that I was like, you know, what time shoot line? They're like, oh, my God, we got about an hour and 30 minutes. I was like, let's go sit in the truck, dog. <laughs> let's go. And even though it was a little bit of a walk, it was worth it, dude, because my hands were freaking dying. That was really the only thing that got cold on me, personally. I, I don't know about the other guys, but I was pretty good. I had a mix of Geist outdoor gear, Sitka gear, you know, muck boots. I was pretty loaded down with, with gear to wear, but my hands were just absolutely dying because I'm, I'm weird. Like, I hate to shoot a shotgun with some big heavy leather gloves on i just really i hate doing that because it feel like my my trigger guard you know want to accommodate and i'm shooting savage shotguns so they've got a nice oversized controls but with big heavy like ski gloves i just feel like i've got three shots if i can even get them off with my finger and on top of that how am i going to reload if we're, if they circle back or something so i just went with some harbor freight you know neoprene super slicky gloves type deal so they, they weren't super warm uh, really had to, you know, keep those in a pocket while I was not filming or something out in the layout blind. But they ended up working good because I love being able to throw up and use my shotgun without, just like I'm not wearing gloves. So if you guys are with me on that, just, you know, 
I'm telling you, I hate big bulky gloves trying to waterfowl hunt other than a boat ride or something like that. So anyway, we get out there. We don't shoot a whole lot. I think the guys end up jump shooting some snow geese on a little uh, little loaf pond that was behind us. Really not a whole lot flying. So we took the rest of the day and scouted, and we ended up getting on another piece that was uh, probably the f- second furthest spot from the road that we had to get on the, the jet sled. And I'm telling you guys, when we got there, it's a process. It took us probably an hour and a half to get everybody from the vehicles to the spot, set up, hunt, and get in. I mean, set up and get in the layouts was an hour and a half from getting there from the truck to getting actually in a layout with a loaded gun was about an hour and a half is what we averaged the whole week. So it was, it was, I mean, it was aggravating, but I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you got to drive out there, you got to set shit up, got to make sure you're hid. And, you know, you got to crawl, you know, cross your T's, dot your I's in the situation. You don't want to do something stupid and flare birds. So that's exactly what we did. Good hide, got the spread set out the way we thought, the wind was going to work. So it worked out. We had a really good hunt, shot into probably the biggest group of greenheads for the whole week, uh, was on that afternoon sit, shot some mallards, uh, shot a group of three or four uh, big geese, big, big burly Canada's that probably came straight down from Canada. These honkers were freaking ginormous. And then we actually... <laughs> called in an eagle head a, a big big uh snow goose if you guys are you know familiar with snow geese eagle heads are really pretty uh got that blue body and then got the solid white head on them they're 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 actually a pretty bird to mount if, you, if you're looking for one but uh called him down from about three four hundred yards high and we didn't have a snow goose call on us so these guys we were hunt with dude they just were like rawr, 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 and they just freaking called that thing down with their mouth <laughs> And uh, and that thing ended up working. It was a single. So, I mean, obviously he was kind of probably dumb anyway. But the, the dude worked all the way down, came in from, you know, from our left to our right. And he he caught about seven shells in the face. And I think one of the guys, uh, Jacob, is going to take him home and get him mounted. But just crazy shit like that is the stuff you talk about forever. And actually, that's in the video if you guys go check that out. Boar Outdoors, Hunter Ricketts was out there with us. Uh, we collabed on a couple videos. And it's on the Mojo Buck Productions and the Bull Outdoors channel. So if you guys go check those out and you want to see this hunt replayed, it's actually a good hunt. Get into a really nice wad of mallards and uh, just was a freaking – it was a good time. So the next couple of days kind of slow, kind of scouting. That that blizzard was really, really pushing stuff around. A lot of stuff was freezing up on us. I want to say it was either Tuesday or Wednesday of the next week that we actually got into another group where we got into another frozen cornfield and uh, – Kind of similar situation, except halfway through the hunt, again, we were, I call it, I call it this strategy of waterfowl hunting, I call it the afternoon deer hunter approach, which is something I coined from my good buddy Reed Bonnell. He's a huge advocate of afternoon deer hunting. It's just his style. That's what he likes to do. But, and uh, I, I told Cranston, I was like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to be the afternoon deer hunters since they're not getting up and flying and feeding as frequently in the morning hours. That from 1.30 to 4.30 little window in the afternoon was super, super nice. Geese were flying, ducks were flying, trying to get up and move, uh, kind of dealing with full moons here and there, snow-covered landscape. You know, just the weather was kind of shit for the time we were there, but when you plan these trips out, like I like to tell everybody, you know, my wife's like, well, why don't you guys go when it was better weather? Well, when you plan this trip months in advance, you got to go, and it is what it is. You just make the best of it. If it had been pouring rain, we would have done something different or moved states, but we, you know, if it's just snowing and blizzard, we're going to be out there. So we, we make the best of it. You make chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> it's it's kind of what the motto of, of waterfowl hunting really is. So we're out there, ducks are working, and, uh, you know, not surprisingly, but when the blizzard started to really roll in, like there was pieces of ice 
directly hitting us in the face. And there was Mallers working. You know, they, they weren't wanting to finish within that 20, 25-yard mark. They were hanging out there 30, 35, 40 sometimes. Uh, the guys we were hunting with were, uh, you know, pretty realistic hunters. I mean, these guys hunt mostly timber. We had a group from Arkansas that was with us, and we had some, like I said, the Ringgold guys that hunt uh, timber in the public of Arkansas too. So they're kind of like, hey, you know, if these ducks give us some shots, you guys cool with taking them. I'm like, dude. Call that shot every time. Let's yeah, you can't be greedy, you know, out here. You know, on the road, public land. Let's get out here. Let's freaking shoot them. So uh shooting them on the swing, shooting them out there at 35, 40. We're dropping some. We're we're working. I think we ended up with about a I think an eight or a nine man out of that uh that hunt. And it was just mallards the entire time. Mallards, uh, we had a few shots at snow geese. I think we ended up shooting maybe two or three snow geese. So three snow geese. Seven, eight men of mallards. Uh, it, again, a freaking great time. And that hunt is also on the channel as well. I think that one's called Frozen Limits. But, yeah, so my experience in North Dakota was was really nice. Uh, you know, other than the blizzard driving birds down south, uh, it, it just is what it is. But it, it was cool to see, you know, live migration action, cold fronts, moving birds, getting birds up, learning how to be very adaptable to the situation. So instead of having to get up and kill yourself every morning and not shoot anything, we use that time to really scout and get on fresh birds for the afternoon. So it's cool being with a lot of group of guys that like that, that is a motivated, adaptable, knows what to do. It makes for a really fun time, new friends, uh, you know, just a, just a good, good experience. And I'm glad I got to go hunt Nodak and, and really check that off my bucket list. Nodak for me is a bucket list hunt. I may end up going back one day, but that drive is hellacious and just, a. Whew, I'm glad. I'm glad we had some good hunts, so I could. I don't really have that fire to go back next year. But man, it was a. It, it, it was a good time. So, really, to wrap this episode up, and this is going to be a short episode because I'm doing it by myself in the shop. But just to get you guys caught up on why there's been such a delay in podcast and content on this side of it, we've been pumping out YouTube videos. We've been pumping out uh, content for Instagram. That stuff's never going to change. But the podcast kind of took a little bit of a break. Uh, just. Mentally, for me, it was good to get away from it for a minute. Uh, and we're going to make this announcement here. I'm going to release this episode once we have some uh, some better news uh, actually in our hands as far as, I don't know what they call it, but I guess the heartbeat scan that they do uh, you know, with you and your wife if you guys are expecting a kid. But anyway, uh, Mrs. Mojo is actually pregnant. We are pregnant with a child. We don't know what the gender is. Uh, we're, like I said, we go to the doctor on the 29th. This is the 26th of November, so when this podcast comes out, you guys will probably have seen the announcement on social media. Uh, we'll have that picture, the heartbeat picture in our, in our hand, hopefully. And, you know, the Lord willing and you guys praying for us, that, that means a lot. Uh, so that's kind of been on my mind recently. I found that out a couple of days before we went to North Dakota. Uh, Candace, my wife, she uh, worked in probation for the last seven years, and uh, she's taken a break from that and is now looking into new careers. So she's been without a job for almost a month. Uh, I'm still working. We've got a baby on the way. So you could tell right now, you know, I'm not panicking. Uh, but, the, you know, the Lord won't give you stuff, guys, that you can't handle. So never, ever forget that. The Lord will never throw something up on your plate that you cannot handle. So, uh, you know, trust in Him. You know, obviously we're blessed with such a great family base around us you know i live close to my family here and we're doing good trusting the lord praying a whole lot and uh anything you guys can throw our way as far as prayers um you know encouragement comments messages that stuff means the world to me 
It's pretty much the only reason why I do this. So if you guys want to shoot me a message, say, hey, man, thinking about you guys, praying for you, shoot them my way. Don't be shy, guys. I love reading that kind of stuff. Love reading comments. Love reading any kind of feedback from this show. So that's just, uh, like I said, just a quick peek behind the curtain of what's been going on here at the uh, <laughs> at the Part-Time Hunter podcast uh, studio. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. I'll keep you guys updated on that situation, but you guys will see the announcement on social media. Hopefully, if you guys want to check out more content, our YouTube channel is Mojo Buck Productions. Our IG page is Mojo Buck 80 And also, the Part-Time Hunter podcast has an a Instagram page as well. So shoot us a message. Let me know you saw it. Again, any kind of prayers you guys got out there, encouragement, uh, encouraging words, I would love to hear that stuff. And uh, we're going to keep this hunting content coming to you. There's a lot of stuff on the political side as well, which we like to cover that on the BS report. So I'm going to have to get Parker down here, my co- my co-host for uh, that episode. May have to get Jeff Stanfield back on here from the big <laughs> the Big Honker podcast and get him to do a uh, a little snippet into the BS report. But as always, guys, appreciate you listening. I love the feedback. We got more coming for you. The podcast is back in full swing. And uh, as always, boys, we'll catch you on the next one.